0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: All right, well, today we get to meet Olympian Lisa Weigel. So, this Ottawa native has been on the curling scene for just under 20 years. She's got a killer tick shot. Which uh, I'm going to learn exactly what that actually is. She's got a number of Canadian titles under her name. A member of the 2017 World Curling Championship Team, skipped by Rachel Homan. And looking forward to kind of just really understanding her life, the story behind it, the game of curling, uh, and this launches us into episode 11 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing, and for more information, of course, you can check out extensionmarketing.com. Lisa, great to have you here.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. I should point out that um, I wore my red. I wore my red. have my white jacket, kind of sporting the Canadian colors because I knew you, you were going to sport the Olympic gear. Yeah. They say when you're doing media stuff, when you're doing interviews, sport it, right?
0: Well, we worked so hard for this, too, for the Olympic year, so if you want to wear it every chance you can get. Yeah. It looks really good <laughs> on you. It
1: suits you. Uh, and we're about seven, six weeks, six, seven weeks post uh, the Olympic Games. Have you recovered from it yet? Like, is it still very vivid in your memory? Like, where are you right now with it?
0: Yeah, it, we've been trying to take some time away from curling and recover, and we just had an event last week in Toronto, which was my first time back on the ice with the team. Um, But definitely a lot of emotions around the Olympics and everything that we went through and all the work leading up to it The jet lag from coming home from Korea. So um, it's been a longer recovery process than I expected Mm
1: -hmm. Emotionally, not as much physically, but emotionally.
0: Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, there were a lot of emotions It was so exciting to make it to the Olympics That was my lifelong dream and and to get to go there and play was so thrilling Um, But you know, we came home without a medal so that was disappointing Um, but we had so much support from canadians all over the country Uh, And coming home to ottawa it's just been such an amazing reception from everyone Um, you know even without a medal people were just saying how proud they are of us and you know how hard we worked and how hard we tried and fought so Um, Yeah, just a a lot of emotions. A lot of it. And I
1: think as we kind of go through the story, we'll come back to the Olympics. Because, I mean, there's a massive culmination there of what happens when a young kid gets into a sport in the first place. So what drew you to the sport? Like, what got you into curling in the first place?
0: So my parents were looking for a sport to play together. And so they ended up joining the curling club in our neighborhood. And then the year after that, they had me join the youth program. So that's when I was eight. So, when you're younger, you actually use these rocks that are, like, half the size. Mm-hmm. So, a normal curling rock is about 40 to 44 pounds, and these are 20 pounds. And so, you've got these little kids kind of pushing these rocks mm-hmm. around and um, learning how to sweep. So, it was pretty cool. You got to do, um, like, a, some skills and drills and things like that, and then you play a little game.
1: Is so like a little... Is it called, like, Little Rock? It's little Rock. Yeah, rocks, okay. Yeah. I remember covering yeah. some of them. Yeah. And so,
0: then you come off, and you have a hot chocolate and some donuts, and that was pretty exciting for me you know when you're eight years old and I got to meet a lot of people and from there started playing in a few more
1: events. Okay so you're eight had you been had you tried other sports had you been you know had an athletic tendency like was this something that you thought okay I'm just gonna go and try this because mom and dad are doing it like did you have that like understanding that this was a sport you wanted to try?
0: Yeah, I don't even think I knew what curling was. I used Mm -hmm. to go to gymnastics, um, and the gymnastics center backed right on to the curling club. Oh, you were at the OGC. Yeah, Yeah, so one day my dad took Mm -hmm. me over, and we watched a little bit of curling, and he said, would you be interested in doing this next year? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really even understand what it was, but... It conflicted with gymnastics so it meant I got to pull out of gymnastics and I was not very coordinated <laughs> so it, uh it seemed like a pretty good fit but like I played t-ball and baseball my dad coached me and played all kinds of sports mm-hmm. in gym class I love
1: volleyball so um, you, you loved playing other sports yeah like, was it a team sport that you liked just the atmosphere of, of being with other people
0: I've always really liked team sports. Um, I'm not super great at them, but um, enjoyed those. And then as I got older, I got more into like running, yoga, weightlifting, kind of more individual things. Mm-hmm. But
1: I've always loved being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you started eight in this Little Rock program, which gets you a hot chocolate and a donut <laughs> <laughs> after your class. When did you start to realize, okay, I actually, I like this and I'm good at this?
0: I think when I started playing in a few Little Rock Bonds fields, so we would put a little team together, and you'd go to a different club, and you'd play a couple of games, and you get a prize at the end, and so that was really cool to me, and uh, we started making some shots and getting better at it, so um, I enjoyed doing that, and then when I was 14, so I was in Bantam at the time, so moved up. you move up to the bigger rocks when you're around 12 or 13, um, I was asked to play on a competitive team. And so that was really where I started having to make some choices. We're putting curling over some other
1: things. Um, was there a coach that saw you out on the ice? Like, what allows kind of a coach or someone in the know of the sport to realize this kid is good or this kid has what it takes? Like, what are they looking for in your ability Yeah, I, you to know, say, I'm going to pull her from this program and bring her into competitive?
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure at 14 kind of what they're looking for, but I had this coach, it was Bruce Merklinger, and I played okay. with his um, daughters, they're twins. And is that mom is Ann? Uh, no. His daughter is Ann. Okay. And uh, they're Anne's sisters. Okay. So, um, yeah, I joined this team, and we ended up playing together for six years, which was pretty unprecedented in um, kind of youth curling. Mm-hmm. Now I think it happens a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we kind of found this team and stuck together and had the same goals and the same drive, which I think is so important for a team, especially a team of four people. Um, and you know, we competed in some like provincial championships, never made it to the nationals, but we had a pretty decent junior career.
1: When you were a junior, at that point, did you know your position on the ice? Like when, from the time you started at eight to when you started to play competitive, did you did they place you as to where you were? Like, you're a lead. Yeah. Like, okay, can you, can you go through it? Can we go through <laughs> sure, the, the, the positions so we have a better understanding of it?
0: Yeah, so on a curling team, there's four positions. Okay. So the skip is the one that kind of everyone knows that my skip is Rachel Holman, so their name is associated with the team. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who decide the strategy, and they throw the last two rocks at the end, so they kind of have the most pressure. And everyone on the team throws two rocks an end. An end is like an inning in baseball. Okay. So I'm the lead, so I throw the first two rocks, and then I sweep the next six. Okay. Um, the second throws the second two, and the third throws the next mm-hmm. two, right? So, and then the third will go in the house and hold the broom when the skip is throwing. So the, their role is a bit more strategy, but they also do some sweeping.
1: Okay. What's the <laughs> pressure on the lead? You're throwing into an empty house, right? Yeah. Okay, so what is your main objective as the lead starting a game?
0: So for a lead, you really need to or have end, good yeah. um, draw weight control. So you need to be able to place your rocks in the right
1: positions um, to get the end set up. Okay. So Without having other rocks on the ice. Yeah. If you're leading. And like,
0: it's okay. very much like about feel. Okay. Um, whereas the other positions, you throw a few more hits, so you're actually like knocking other rocks of the rings. So a bit more like power and precision. But you still need to be
1: able to throw the draws as well. Like everyone on the team needs to have that precision element. Okay. And when we were talking about this tick shot, mm-hmm. what is the tick shot?
0: So we're getting really deep into curling here.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, when you when you put your name into, you know, Google and, and you look at the sport of curling, there's a lot of reference to a tick shot. And so, you know, I have to ask that question because yeah. I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what this is.
0: So in the first four rocks of the end, so the, for the lead stones, you're not allowed to remove a rock that's a guard, so it's in front of the house. I need like a strategy board to show you all this, but so you're not allowed to remove the rock from play, but you're allowed to move it around. Okay. So the tick shot is when they throw up a centerline guard, you come and move the rock. So off to the side, it's kind of like a lower weight shot, but you, you can't remove it from play.
1: It has to stay within... What people kind of like the bullseye area in yeah. the
0: circle. Well, you can't remove, like, you can't hit you it can. into the boards. Okay. So, um, this was a strategy that people generally would use in, like, the last end of a game um, to open up the middle so that you have kind of a clear shot for your last shot. But we started using it in 2013 in, like, the first end of a game or. A because day. you're the lead. Yeah. And so we got really confident and practiced this play a lot that people hadn't really done at that time um so it kind of got associated with my name, with your name I guess. okay so, yeah it's kind of neat though yeah it's pretty cool when people
1: associate a certain skill with the sport yeah okay so let's let's go back we're we're back into um you're with the Merklinger girls mm-hmm. at this point in junior had you already established then that you were in that lead position was there a part of you that wanted to skip like where are you at that point?
0: I actually played second. Okay. Junior, so lead and second are kind of um, a similar skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, and they're called front end. It's what we would call the lead and second position. The third and skip are called back end. So I always loved playing front end. I loved sweeping. I loved kind of throwing the setup shots. I didn't really love all the pressure of throwing skip.
1: Okay, so it wasn't something that you wanted to do. No, I've never really, I've never wanted to skip. So I've done it in some fun stuff before, right. but, um, is it yeah, that different being in the skip position? Like, is there a reason why there's so much pressure or that name is so, has such a correlation that that name goes with the team?
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of pressure on the skip and they're kind of the face of the team and they've got to, you know, make all the last shots and you've got everyone's dreams kind of riding on you and making your shots. So um, you
1: know, I have so much respect for Rachel and for all the skips I've played for, but it's not something that I've wanted to do. <laughs> How different then? How many skips have you played for over a longer period of time then? Like the junior team? Yeah, and then for Rachel. And there was
0: kind of a period in between where I was played playing, with Jen Hanna too, right? Yeah, for just for one season I kind of stepped in when one of their players couldn't play. Um, so... Yeah, like there was a period of time where I was focusing more on school and building a career and wasn't curling so much. Um, But yeah, for the last eight years, it's been with
1: Rachel, so that's definitely the longest. Okay, how different is the game under a different skip? Does it change a lot? Like, is there more pressure? Are they more vocal? Is there like, I would think their personalities would be different as to how you're going to deal with kind of like this team captain yeah
0: well and even with the whole team right you're Mm -hmm. a small team it's not like a hockey team or soccer team there's only four of us so everyone's personality um is really important on the team and everyone can play a leadership role um so yeah we spend a lot of time on our team talking about communication and team dynamics and just making sure that everything's flowing the way it needs to um because with such a small team you, you can't have an issue
1: is there a cost? You know, when we talk about parents who have hockey players or figure skaters, I mean, with any sport, there's a cost associated. When you started to play junior, started to travel, started to do all these bond spills, did you start to feel like, okay, it's a family commitment? There's like financial aspect to it. You know, as you're that it was worth the dedication, the time commitment for it.
0: Yeah, and when I was in juniors, we would play kind of around Toronto area. Like we weren't traveling super far, but my parents said it probably cost them about five thousand a year when I was playing. Um, which is a pretty significant investment Mm -hmm. on their part Um, but I wasn't really thinking too much about that it was more just like I really loved it Um, and I put a lot of time into like when I was playing with Lee Merklinger's team I would drive out to Winchester once a week to practice because one of the girls lived there and we had great ice time in Winchester and um, you know missed some school for some of this curling stuff Mm -hmm. and Um, you know you start to put some time into it but it didn't really feel like work
1: because I loved it Mm -hmm. when did it start to change and and I have noticed especially as I was covering sports for so long and I and I find curling and golf have been very parallel in going from what many people considered a game Um, not I mean let's be realistic every time I covered a bond spiel it was just about the amount of Beer. (laughs) The amount of beer that was in the rink, you know, cooling down for when everyone was there for the bond spiel. And and so there was some association, and please don't be angry with me, like that it wasn't necessarily athleticism uh, at work, very similar to golf for so long. And then there seemed to be a shift that there was more of a requirement to be athletic and in shape um, to be more successful. Did you, were you there for that shift of kind of just playing it to play, then becoming more of a trained athlete to have a better game?
0: Yeah, and I think the beauty of curling is it's a sport you can play at any level, right? You can just go out and play in a mm-hmm. beer league and have fun. And um, if you want to be high performance, I think you need to be fit. And if, I think if you look at all the curlers now who are playing on tour... Um, they're in
1: really good shape. Well, I look at John Morris, right? Like that that would be a best example, almost like when Tiger Woods started to kind of shift and and got into really great shape. I saw that with John Morris, that there was a very athletic build. So how did it transfer for you that you went from just being on the ice to getting into the gym, doing more physical conditioning? When did that happen?
0: Yeah, for me, um, like after I finished playing juniors and kind of took a step back, Um, I really enjoyed university life and kind of gained some weight through that and wasn't really in the best shape and so I got a trainer and started running and just getting myself in a bit better shape and it was around that time that Rachel and Emma were finishing up in their junior career and they were from Ottawa and I knew them pretty well so I approached Rachel and said "Um, I don't know if you're looking for a player but if you are I'm interested. So I think. And did she know you? Yeah, she she knew your background. Yeah, so we had played. I'm four years older than she is, but we had played against each other. Um, We represented the same club, and we were pretty good friends. Okay. So which club was that? uh, The auto curling club. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes in life you just have really good timing, and I think that that was one of those things that everything just kind of aligned, and I was. More into getting into shape and wanting to be in competitive curling at that time, and she was looking for a player.
1: So she's wrapping up her junior career. You have just finished university. Yeah. Realized that you want to be back in the sport. Uh, It really was like a a wonderful alignment at at the time. Yeah. So what happens then? Like you kind of start initiate this conversation, and then are you back full time committed to the sport?
0: yeah so I got a call from Rachel I was at work and she said you know we we have a spot on the team we'd like you to come join us um so I had to go talk to my boss I I work for the government and say you know I have this really great opportunity and we might plan some events and I'll need a little bit of time off work more than normal but I'll use my vacation and so she was totally on board and that's kind of how it happened we had our first meeting and I remember going and um, having to write a check to join the team we have very little sponsorship. <laughs> okay, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. A second. <laughs> okay, so you come to join up with Rachel Holman, and you bring your checkbook.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we all paid into because so you have to pay for your flights and your entry fees and your hotel. So it's become like
1: almost like a team bank account.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we're very lucky. We've had some great sponsors mm-hmm. that have come on board over right. the years, but at that time we only had you know one sponsor, and. I mean, it makes sense. We didn't have a whole lot
1: of success to back it up. It was right. First you're, you're new, and this is going to be the first time all that this four have come together. Yeah, the
0: three of them had played together yeah. through juniors, so they were a pretty established team and they were pretty well known, um, and they had an amazing junior career. They went to the World Junior. What had
1: happened to their
0: lead? She was still junior age, okay. so she finished out playing in juniors, and um, since the rest of the team were in ladies play, that that was
1: kind of how that came about. That they asked me. Okay, can I my first initial thought is for that girl who's too young to have had to give up a team that she'd been playing on based on age, and then to, you step in, and then off you guys go on this magnificent team run, that's good. Do you ever look at that and go, that must have been pretty hard?
0: Yeah, I think so, and one of um, the players on the team was her sister, so, I mean, we see her all the time, and they have another sister, and she's mm-hmm. been our fifth player at times, so... Um, the three of them are kind of like part of our team home and growing mm-hmm. family so
1: she's had her own great career as well Wow, I think about <laughs> that right when you're part of something and then you yeah. watch them go into greatness okay so what starts then to understand the personalities you're, you're you've gone through university you've kind of grown up a little bit how do you step into this new team a, a new skip and establish yourself as a team what are the dynamics that work
0: we spent a lot of time um, talking about communication and team dynamics, and some of the stuff plays itself out as you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had we brought on board a, a new coach, and so someone to kind of help us through some of that stuff. And we were very lucky the first year that we played together; we made it to the Scotties, which is the national championship. So we had some you
1: had really, early success, yeah.
0: Um, and so you know, that kind of helps you to keep working and we kept pushing each other. We're all so driven um, and we want, you know, the most we can get for ourselves and also for our teammates. So, um, yeah, sometimes you have to have some tough conversations, but you know you have this big goal in mind at the end.
1: Okay, break down the personalities between the four of you. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've done interviews with Rachel. Um, you know, I've had opportunities one-on-one. She looks like a tough cookie. Like, is that who she is? Like, do you mind, like, breakdown of personalities on a four-player team, how communication and dynamics have to come into play?
0: Yeah, Rachel gets that kind of reputation, (laughs) but um, I think when you get to know her, she's such a thoughtful and kind person, and um, she might be a little bit guarded with the media and with the public, and um, I understand, you know, why, Mm -hmm. but uh, when you get to know her, she is actually know, such a kind person and an amazing sense of humor. Like one of those people that just like won't let anything slip. Like she's very quick. She's on, she's on the ball. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, she's a really great leader. You know, we need her to be one and she's worked very hard on her leadership skills and you know, we would do anything for her
1: because we know she would do anything for us. Okay. So that's one personality kind of Mm -hmm. go through it. How do they see you?
0: I'm definitely the most quiet on the team Um, like I'm an introvert and the rest of them are pretty extroverted Um, I would say more of a quiet leader on the team I think they know that when I say something I've thought about it and um, it's, it's coming from a place that you know
1: I mean I mean what I say when I speak. Did it take a while for you guys to figure out personalities or how you each react to situations or pressure? Absolutely. And we're still
0: doing that, you know, we've had some really great um, mental performance consultants and coaches um, try and help us through some of this stuff, um, so we spend probably more time together with each other than we do with, with our families. families, right? So we have become like sisters. Um, so, yeah, things aren't perfect all the time, but we work really hard at it to make it as good as possible.
1: Okay, you've competed in some pressure situations. You had the Scotties where you found early success. You've had your 2017 World Championship. How do you each deal with the pressure? Like, are, are on competition day, or is one of you, like, all nerves and, you know, like, having, you know, puking over the toilet? <laughs> one of you is, yeah. like, how can you tell whether the other team member is on, you know, based on just looking at them that you can tell by? Their demeanor how they're feeling.
0: We've spent some time um, especially in the lead-up to the Olympic trials just trying to figure out what each player needs to be in their optimal performance zone so for Rachel it might look a little bit different than it does for me Um, but for us being able to lean on each other and share how we're feeling and um, have that really good communication, especially before a game and during the mm-hmm. game, is something that's just so important for us to be able to perform.
1: Would one of you say, guys? I'm having a tough time, like I'm really nervous today, and another player going, I actually feel pretty good. Like, are you able to feed off of each other? Is it that much open communication, or is it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to some degree, sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it.
1: Um, <laughs> have you done that? Yeah, yeah. But okay. then
0: there's been other times where I've act- I've said that, you know, I, said, I feel really nervous. And uh, a teammate will say, well, you know, we've got this. And win or lose it, it, you know, we're going to go out and play our best and just enjoy the moment. And for me, that was really what I took into Mm -hmm. this season was trying to feel really grateful for where I am um, and enjoy the moment and just think, you know, if this is the last curling game I ever play, how do I want to be? What kind of teammate do I want to be? And what kind of player do I want to be? And so I hope to have a long career, Mm -hmm. but... Um, I've taken a bit of comfort in having that mindset going into every game. It's just, if this
1: is my last game, how am I going to be? This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally, as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into unchartered territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Have you felt, though, coming out of a game like that loss was on me? Like, it's yeah. a team sport, right? But who takes the, who? who's responsible, who takes the loss? Like, yeah, how, how have you dealt with that?
0: Um, there's certainly been times where you know I've missed a key shot or I've misswept, swept you know Rachel's last shot and yeah I feel like it's all on me um, but you know on a small team like that I think when we have our best debriefs it's like well I felt like it was my fault and then Joanne will say well no it was my fault because of this and Emma will say well it was my fault because of this you know we can all take responsibility for an element of the game um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, you have three other people that you really want to win for. Um, and sometimes you're, you're not always going to
1: play your best. Did you learn this along the way? I mean, there's, there's people that are getting into this sport, or getting into any sport. Where did you learn as you were growing up and maturing with it? Where there, where there was going to be the good days and the bad days?
0: Um, it's just, you know, through a lot of playing and competing. Like we've, felt such amazing moments when we won and you know some of the lowest lows
1: when we lose Um, do you go separately like do you need time to be reflective on your own or is everything that you're going through always done in a team atmosphere
0: yeah I think we kind of know like everyone's a little bit different with how they deal with losses and how they process everything but part of what's made our team so good is that we always come together and debrief what happened so we get a little bit of closure we can all take responsibility for our part and try and learn and what are we going to do differently and what are we going to do better next time. Um, someone said to me, it's not you win or you lose, it's you win or you learn. And so for us, when we lose, we really, you know, sometimes you really wish you just won. But, you, you know, you need to find a way to take that learning out of it so it's not for nothing.
1: When you're learning, you're playing a game, you're traveling, you're getting world experience, you're getting an experience that most people only dream of. When did the traveling and the international play kind of really set in that you're standing on, you know, at center ice, you know, with Sweden and with the United States and with Great Britain, that there was really an international flair for what you were doing?
0: Yeah, when I started with Rachel's team, um, that was in 2010, 2010. And at the time, there were only two Grand Slam events for women, and only one of them was on TV. And so now we have, I don't know, like seven or eight Grand Slams, mm-hmm. and um, the a same number, number of them s- televised. Yeah, Sportsnet's come on board, Pinty's is one of our sponsors, and they came on board with the Grand Slam and said, um, we want to make it equal for men and women, and they've done that in the time that, you know, I've been competing, which is, I think, really exciting.
1: Yeah, that doesn't happen, that's, that's not happening in a lot of sports. So no. curling, it's equal... Mm-hmm. Personal, like when, when you talk about equal, equal television time, equal prize money? For
0: the Grand Slams, yeah. Wow. And for our national championships, our Scotties and Briar are both televised. So we're very lucky in our sport that, uh, you know, as women, we get a lot of television exposure and a lot of media that some women don't get in other sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the growth of the Grand Slams and more money being involved, more TV time, all these international teams come over here to play and to train Um, so that's been really good for the growth of curling Um, and then for us getting to go overseas and compete has just been really cool I've played in World Championships in Latvia and China Uh, we've played events in Sweden and obviously Korea and Japan so it's been pretty cool to get to travel uh, internationally and Mm -hmm. as well I've got to play all over Canada so I get
1: opportunities that you know the average person doesn't get to see our country which is really cool Where do you feel that there's a love and a passion for curling? Like if you've traveled around the country, uh, is there a hotbed? Is there a place that you felt like people are really into this or they really know the game? Um, There's kids coming up to you, kind of, you know, they know who you are. They want to, you know, eventually one day represent Canada. Where Mm -hmm. have you felt that?
0: Um, Honestly, a lot of places when we play in the slams. Certainly um, kind of in the prairie provinces, curling's really big. You go to the grocery store and people stop you and say hello. Um, in Ottawa it's been pretty cool the um, growth of curling and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is because of our team's success and these kids can watch us and say, well if they could do it and they were so young, then I can do it too. So we actually started a curling camp two years ago. the home in, like yeah your group? okay oh, tell camp. us about that So we had 30 kids the first year and last year was the second year we had 80 kids and that was our max. Um, so we've got kids coming for last All year. Girls? We- Uh, yeah. Well, it was open to anyone, but we actually had 75% girls sign up, which I thought was pretty cool. And we had kids come from overseas, from all over Canada and to come and have this direct contact with us and learn from us. So to me, it's cool that kids can watch us on TV and be inspired, but even better to come and meet us and, um, you know, maybe one of us makes a connection with them and inspires them a little bit more, helps them with their game. So it's cool to be able to give back to the sport like
1: that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's only going to get bigger. You're going to have to open up those 80 spots. <laughs> Bring on a couple <laughs> more doing people. Our camp again yeah. this year. We haven't settled down. yet. So what happens since. during that camp?
0: Um... So it's usually three days and the kids come in and, you know, we're the ones kind of doing the registration table and getting to meet you really them. Really? Are you are reading them? Well, okay. You know, we could have volunteers, but we really felt like we wanted to be the ones to greet them. Um, and so we have some stuff on the ice, off the ice. You're working with our trainer. You're working with our sports psychologist. We really wanted it to be the team that we work mm-hmm. with being able to train these kids as well. Um, and then they get chances just to meet each other, make some connections. Maybe a team would be formed out of that or, you know, mm. like, kids are gonna meet each other and have lifelong friends like I did
1: when I went to, you know, curling camp and Bondspiels when I was younger. You start to see them plus as you're growing up, you're seeing them on different teams, mm-hmm. different places. Uh were the kids surprised? I mean, is it I know that Neil Fronten was working with you guys yeah. for a while. Is that who you're who who camp comes in as taking on a team as their trainer
0: yeah Neil uh, yeah. Neil's been with us for
1: a couple of so years. is it just a lot of split lunges and you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the movements of curling like where was the conditioning like where where are you focused in the sports specific sense yeah
0: so I mean you know Neil and you know mm-hmm. he's about functional training so um, training with him is a combination of the traditional lifts so you know like bench press and squats and all that kind of stuff and then also some functional movements um, so when I came and started seeing Neil, I had some pretty bad injuries. I had tendonitis. Um, I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to keep curling because
1: I couldn't sweep from some of the overuse injuries I had. And so- okay, what's getting used? I'm, I'm looking at the movement. You're moving side to side to side and the shoulders, like the back and forth movement?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, for me it was more for the sweeping. I fell. Um, and kind of wrecked some stuff in my arm and that led to a bit of tendonitis. So I was trying to deal with that, but the, you know, through physio and chiro and all that stuff. But the way it really got better was from strengthening all the muscles around it. Um, but yeah, a lot of curlers have like knee issues, back issues, um, just kind of some of the overuse stuff from either sliding or sweeping. Okay,
1: what, how much pressure is on the broom when you're sweeping? Like physically, how hard is it to do what you're doing Is it the speed? Is it the pressure? So it's a combination of both. So you kind of want to be able
0: to get as much pressure as you can, but still have good speed when you're sweeping. So um, they've developed this broom, they call it a smart broom, that you can use to actually test all that stuff. So, I mean, ideally you want the highest percentage of your body weight possible over the brush, which means you're holding yourself almost like in a plank position on the ice, moving quickly
1: and brushing. So there's a lot to it. I wasn't thinking that. Yeah. There's that much weight that you want on it. Why do you want so much weight on the broom?
0: Um, You're trying to almost like heat up the ice and create some friction to make the rock go further and straighter. Um, So So
1: that's what's happening. Yeah.
0: And so that's why you see people um, taking fitness so much more seriously in sweeping is because we know now with a bit of science, like how much that actually does make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of it is just your body weight and, you know, how big you are, and then
1: some of it is your technique. Hmm. Really cool. Okay. And at the same time, you're listening to someone yell at you. Yeah. Okay, I (laughs) want (laughs) to... You
0: should come try sometime.
1: (laughs) Hurry, hurry, (laughs) hurry! You know, to understand that. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. We were talking about uh, the international play. We've talked about coverage of equal coverage for men and women on TV and and with prize money. Let's get into how amazing it was to qualify for the Olympic Games here in Ottawa. I mean, it was electric uh, to mm-hmm. have that happen. I mean, that for you must have been like the most amazing moment ever. That was a highlight for sure. Um, when they announced- Did you feel the pressure when you knew that Olympic trials were gonna be in Ottawa? What, let's let's start through Olympic year. Like Sure. Uh, yeah, were-
0: well, I mean, the last Olympic trials four years ago, they were in Winnipeg, and we had an okay week, but not great, and in reflection, we realized we tried to do too many things different in the year before the trials. Um, you know, I think we all felt really nervous, like we had to do more, and um, went in feeling really stressed and nervous, and, and, and like we weren't good enough—at least for me. So this time around, we said if we're going to try new stuff, it's going to be in year one and year two of the
1: quad. Okay, because you—you've already captured at this point the 2017 World Championships. Like you guys are on a high.
0: Yeah. But I mean, we knew the trials would be in Ottawa kind of like three or four years ago, right? So we had a lot of time to plan for this. Um, So we started trying out some new strategies, like doing some things off the ice, meditation, um, some mindfulness training, breathing, all this stuff. So it wasn't like three weeks before the trials, we were like, oh my God, we need to do all this new stuff, right? We had been doing it for years. So I think we took a lot of comfort in that, knowing that we had all these kind of routines set into place. And then for the trials being in Ottawa, we just decided to really embrace it um, and enjoy it. We had won the Scotties in Kingston and Montreal and St. Catharines, so all very close to home. So we know we play really well in front of a home crowd, so that was kind of part of Mm -hmm. our storyline, and and we really did believe it. And since it was in Ottawa, we did a few things that we wouldn't normally do for events, like we rented out a house in Kanata, um, so we were able to live there and control our environment, control the food we had, our drive to the rink. Um, so we were really just able to control our environment I feel Which really would have been
1: similar to what another team would have had to do if they were all traveling together, right? Teams from British Columbia, teams from, all, from around the country. It was staying as a unit. Like, yeah. And they, so they might have been staying in a hotel. You exactly. guys you left your
0: homes and stayed together. Yeah. So, yeah, we would have either been in the hotel or we decided to rent this house. So... Um, that was something that we found worked really well for us, and so we practiced it a couple years before. Every time we were on the road and we had an opportunity, we'd rent a house and make sure that you know that was okay. a thing that worked for us.
1: There was a lot of prep, a, a lot,
0: lot of, of a lot of
1: foresight, like a lot looking of ahead. Yeah, okay. And I mean, were husband okay? Were husbands allowed to visit the house in Canada? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> was there you know was there were there visits or no? It was really this is us. And this is the perimeter, and no one's coming. Yeah, on we kept
0: okay. our bubble, um, and it worked really well for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would see our families at the rink, and they were at all our games, which was amazing. But um, we had talked to them beforehand and just said, this is what we think will give us the best chance for success. Um, and they were all on board. I mean, it's their dream too, right? Mm-hmm. They've been, they're have living it. They've been along for the whole ride. So, well,
1: you know, if we say this is what we think will be the best for us, they, they're totally on board. Okay, so you're all kind of rounded up into a house in Kanata. And then when did you start to feel like the momentum was, everything you had planned was working, like going through Olympic trials?
0: Yeah, so at the trials, we lost our first game. We had a close game, and we lost. And um, since I think we had planned so well, we really didn't stress out over it. We figured we wouldn't go through that event undefeated. It's the best teams in Canada that are all competing. So So it wasn't an an expectation that it was going to be? I think we all knew we were going to lose a game or two here and there. So like that was no need for us to panic. And and we just really settled into our routines. And um, when you're on the ice, you're trying to focus 100% on what your jobs are and supporting your teammates and just trying to make the next shot. And I think that really helped us, was just trying to stay in the moment. And when you needed to check out, you could kind of enjoy the crowd and mm-hmm. you know, look up and see people wearing you know, shirts that we had made for them and cheering for us.
1: And Are you looking what's happening on the other, for the other draws? Like, are you really. looking at the next door?
0: No. I mean, when we weren't playing, sometimes we would watch the draw on TSN. Mm-hmm. Um, but more to just see how's the ice reacting, how are the rocks, Um, as opposed to like, what's our opposition doing? We really just tried to
1: focus on ourselves. Okay, so let's, you wind down Olympic trials and you're getting to the the final game. When, are there increased butterflies, nerves? Like, where did you kind of think that, oh my God, my Olympic dream is actually, it it could be a possibility?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you certainly do get nervous, right? And I was pretty nervous before, but I- Do you eat when you're nervous? Uh. I forced myself to. Really? Okay. Yeah. I was able
1: to, when I was competing, and I, and I thought I would be sick most of the time, I was—I always had to have, a, like, five grapes on standby. <laughs> and those grapes, that was all I could. Like, and I would slowly, like, it would take a couple minutes for me to actually eat the grape. But, but that was it. I had five grapes, and somehow I had to consume them by the time I got to the competition. So for me, I knew I couldn't eat. I would, I would be better on an empty stomach than, you know, trying to put something in. You, you would force... Well, you would, for us, a game is three hours. Yeah. So
0: you need to stay mentally and physically sharp for three hours. Are you able to
1: eat? Are you able to do anything mm-hmm. while you're playing? Yeah. You can?
0: So usually around half, like, there's a fifth end break. So okay. So at that point, I would maybe have, like, half a banana or
1: some fruit okay. and just maybe a bar just try and, you know, keep myself going for the rest Did of the day. Did you have, game. like, something favorite? Like, was there a food? Like, for me, it was grapes. Like, was there a go-to for you? Like... Food. in the middle of the game I don't know just some fruit no. usually like, what about before a game come on you're, you're telling me that you didn't have like <laughs> anything that you needed to have you had to have come, come on now. we
0: kind of eat the same things all thank the time thank you what so- did you eat well, Rachel would get up every morning, make eggs for us when we were at okay. the house. So we'd she have, cooked? Yeah. Okay. So we'd have a big breakfast, eggs, potatoes, like little salad.
1: She actually and, made all of that? Like.
0: Yeah. Well, that? and her stepmom is an amazing cook, okay. so she actually brought all this food over to the house she had made ahead of time, okay. so we had like soups, um,
1: fish, chicken, like anything you could really want was what at the that? house. Yeah. Okay. So, but in the morning, heading out, Rachel's cooking eggs. Yeah. It's a really good skip right there. That's an amazing okay. Like, are we back. talking scrambled eggs? We're talking fried eggs?
0: Uh, made, made to order? Eggs, yeah. Made I mean,
1: to order? It's so funny.
0: Like, I'd come down in the morning, and she'd be down there with a the big smile on her face cooking eggs for everyone. Okay. So it just puts we're in We're about to rest. qualify for the Olympics, <laughs> and you've got her sitting there <laughs> cooking eggs.
1: I like this. There, there was a good, it was a
0: good vibe. It, it was, was a really yeah. good vibe, yeah. And we were at the house, and we'd play music before we go to the game. And
1: What music's playing?
0: Um, we had a playlist, a little bit of everything. I told you before, I'm a little bit into country now. You're a new fan. I'm a new fan. Some rap music and Top 40 stuff. Okay, Just Just blasting. Just music and ass. Okay. And uh, we would play trivia sometimes when we feel we were getting nervous. It's just a really easy way to keep your mind off it. It's just, we'd have like a little trivia pursuit game. Okay. Ask each other
1: questions and anything to kind of keep your mind off of what was actually happening. Feeling nervous, yeah. Okay. You get to the ring. Can you take us through that championship game I mean your (laughs) Scotiabank place uh, home crowd packed stands like yeah I think I blacked most of it out
0: really well yeah I don't know it just kind of felt like any other game you know we go in and we're greeting all the volunteers and everyone was so amazing throughout the whole event and I just remember walking on the ice and like feeling nervous but feeling really confident and that I knew that in that moment I was going to do everything I could To help my team win and if we didn't win life would go on you know and I think being able to kind of let it go and feel that way about it as opposed to at the last trousers like I have to win or my life's over um, really freed me up to just go out and play and enjoy it To enjoy it like you
1: enjoyed playing that game
0: I did and I can't say that about every major championship I've played in right like I felt really tense and really nervous and oh my god I, I don't want to miss and I don't want to let my team down But being able to find that zone where I was just free to play and be myself and just enjoy the experience was pretty
1: magical and doesn't happen all Mm -hmm. the time, right? It was a magical day. I remember watching the, you know, the final, like the final and and being at home and knowing that you guys had qualified and the the embrace from the city. I mean, it was electric. It was so special. You know, I felt like everyone was
0: behind us and... We have a really... I felt
1: bad for any opposition that day. I was like,
0: you have no no chance. I'm so sorry. I know. We had our, like, cheering squad Mm -hmm. there. And, and, like, it's a big arena. And there were a lot of people there. And so that was really cool for us. And after you win, we kind of got whisked away. And you have to do all this, like, photos and papers and drug testing and all this other stuff. And then the men's game was um, later that evening. So we went up to a suite. And someone had organized, like, all of our family was there. So after we win, we walk into the
1: suite and like everyone who was there supporting us was there. So of course, I'm like, just did you like sobbing. ball? Okay, ball. I, I'm okay. Just, <laughs> just tears. Is it tears of relief, tears of joy, tears of thankfulness to your parents and your husband and everything you know to to have been part of this? Oh
0: yeah, it was yeah. So I cried on my husband. I saw Neil, my trainer, and just mm-hmm. like broke down and cried because he, he put, and put your body back together. Blend for every day you know when I, on the off season and even during the season he's there with me working out with me and getting me to where I need to be so yeah, there were a lot of people who were a part of the journey and
1: it's so special to see them all after so it was like a cry fest for what like a oh, good yeah. 20 minutes when everyone's yeah, in for there sure. okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you must know everyone's families like your family is I would think like sisters cousins aunts uncles the whole team with their parent, with their parents, yeah. Their I mean, the
0: families spend a lot of time traveling mm-hmm. together too, and they really know each other well. And like Rachel and Emma have played together since they were 11, so their parents are great friends and mm-hmm. know each other really well. But yeah, I mean, the families and the support team just become
1: like an extended family yeah. too. So, it, was it weird to do drug testing? Like, what, it's it's a very different experience, I think, for most people, knowing that they're being tested because they're heading to the olympic games
0: yeah and we had been tested numerous times mm-hmm. over the years so it you just kind of accept it as mm-hmm. like a fact that you're just going to have to go do it um but yeah you just want to get all that administrative stuff yeah. out of the way so that you can get to the like the good, the good stuff the party
1: <laughs> okay so you have how much time between representing Canada you've qualified as, um Canada's team to starting to get the Olympic gear, to start getting, you know, mail and packages that have to do, you know, with the Olympics.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty short turnaround. We had about eight weeks Mm -hmm. and Christmas was part of that. Um, So right after we won, we ended up staying for two extra days in Canada uh, with the men's team and all the support staff and they had a meeting. So they're kind of running through like, this is what the village looks like. And this is, you know, your family's accommodation Mm -hmm. and all these different details, which are very overwhelming.
1: Um, so you're getting... In a very foreign and, country. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. But different food, different language, everything's different.
0: Yeah. One of the cool things that happens, though, is, like, we had our little support team with our coach and our mental performance consultant, but then all of a sudden you get this whole big team around you, so people... The Team Canada team. Yeah, so, and from Curling Canada, we also got some more resources, so people, all these people are coming and helping you and taking care of all the little details, so... We're a team that really likes to have control over everything so it was kind of tough just like letting go of the control and letting people deal with it but um it was really cool to know that these people had been working for years to make our olympic experience the best it could possibly be
1: what was it like to first see the team canada (laughs)
0: uniform so we got our kit when we got um into the village you didn't get it till then no like we we got these jackets like for travel but that was about it so we got into the village and it had been, we had been training in Japan before we went there so it had been this really long day of travel and then we get into this um, we were sharing kind of like an apartment We get in, and we have these suitcases there, and they're full of all the clothes. So at this point, we're tired, we're really hungry, but we, like, brought a mirror out into the room and just tried
1: every single piece on Mm -hmm. because we were so excited to get it all. It was pretty cool. Pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Was there a favorite outfit? Like, I mean, especially, too, you're looking at what you're actually, like, there's marching, there's Team Canada opening ceremonies, but then there's the actual gear that you're going to be wearing on the ice. Yeah, so the cool thing about
0: our on-ice gear is my teammate Emma actually designed it. Really? Yeah. So she's a designer and does a lot of the curling jerseys that you see on tour. Um, and she was selected. like, not even just you guys, like for no, a lot of, for people, a lot that's of the teams. Yeah. That. So she was selected to do them for Team Canada. So it would have been for whoever, right? So we're, we're really glad that we're the ones who got to wear it.
1: Um, was it really cool for her to see it, like her designs on? Yeah, Canada, for yeah, sure. For and the
0: Canadian gear looked really
1: sharp mm-hmm. um,
0: and had a really cool design. So. Um, I'm sure she was really proud, and we were all really proud to wear it.
1: That's pretty neat. Okay, so how did you adjust to the food, the training schedule? Like, Take us through a little bit of the start mm-hmm. of the Olympic experience. So we had
0: been in the World Championships in China um, the year before, so that was our first time playing overseas in Asia. So we used that as an opportunity to kind of try out some strategies to deal with jet lag and food and things like that. I mean, the nice thing about the Olympics, which I didn't really realize until we got there, is, like, you, you kind of feel like you could be anywhere. Like, there's a big cafeteria, and they've got all kinds of food um, to, like, different tastes, mm-hmm. and so you can pretty much get whatever you want to eat there, including McDonald's. Um, it's perfect for performance, <laughs> For yeah. athletes, okay. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was definitely a bit of an adjustment, and you know, living in the village was... Like, every day, it was like, we have to pinch ourselves. We're walking around, wearing our Team Canada clothes. You're part of a bigger team, which I think was one of the coolest things. Um, So you see all these athletes that, you know, maybe you've seen on TV, like Tessa and Scott, or, you know, they're sitting beside you at breakfast. And a very kind of surreal experience,
1: but really cool. Like a little star struck a bit. With some people, yeah. There's some pretty major, you know, Olympic athletes, not only on Team Canada, but, you know, worldwide. So, you go through that, can you take us through opening ceremonies?
0: Yeah, that was one of the things that I was really looking forward to, and it was everything I had hoped it would be, like, there's a very long wait, kind of, before you get to go there, and that's a lot of the Olympics, it's kind of hurry up and wait, um, but as we're marching out, it just felt really special, and we all, the four of us linked arms, and we all had tears in our eyes, because we had worked so hard, and worked so hard for each other to get there. that you know to be able to march around and just enjoy that experience I mean, that's something that i've watched on tv
1: since i was a kid right you never think you're going to get there so very very cool to enjoy magical that. Yeah. overwhelming like are you ever clamped you know like are you like I, as an athlete i would have like olympics for me like they were just out of my reach right so yeah. i'm always in awe of the of those that get to that to get to walk in uh wearing that team canada uniform was it just the group of the Canadian athletes of being a part of that team, or was it the response and the lights and the show, like...
0: Yeah, it, it was everything, like it's mm-hmm. everything you could imagine it would be, you know? And just all those different elements coming together to create this really magical moment. And with the opening ceremonies, nobody's competed yet, right? Everyone's still hopeful and excited, and, Because um, really, when you think about it, only a few people are going to walk away with medals at the end mm-hmm. of it, right? Yeah. Um... But, yeah, I mean, the crowd and the everything. It went by too fast. That's were fine. your parents able to take that in? Your uh, they weren't there for the opening, okay. but my parents were there for the Olympics, yeah.
1: Yes, okay. I actually had a lot of friends who are associated with you who weren't there for, had booked their tickets to get there, but hadn't booked in until after the prelims because they were like, well, favorite, one of the favorites going in, we're going to get there in time for all of the, the playoffs, the playoff rounds. That was where the massive disappointment had. It was not the outing, I think, Mm -hmm. that anyone had really intended. Was there a panic button at one point? Like, when did things just not seem to be going as well as they were at Olympic trials? When everything just seemed to be going the right way, it seemed like it was very different. Yeah,
0: like, even in hindsight now, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, like, one or two things that might have gone wrong. Um... we lost our first three games, which
1: was a tough start. And we played really... When was the last time you guys had ever lost three? Like, it was brand new territory. Yeah,
0: exactly. So
1: um, we tried to
0: kind of pinpoint what was going on and what we could do differently in the games. Not really hit the panic button, but just try and make small improvements because we weren't losing our games by very much. Um, And then after that, we got on a little bit of a roll, and that was great. But... uh, You know, we lost one too many games to get ourselves into a playoff situation. And, I mean, sometimes that sport, sometimes it happens that way, right?
1: It does. But it was, you were a favored team going in. So are you, is there a a embarrassed? Are you um, worried about how people at home are feeling? Like, are you feeling anxious? Like, oh gosh, we have to deal with this now. Uh you know when you talk about all of you kind of get coming together after game and kind of going, No, it was my fault, and no, it was your f- my fault. no, I it was my fault like where was your mindset like how were you guys coping with it together? This was a very foreign place to be for you guys,
0: yeah, well, we leaned on each other and tried to support each other as much as we could through it, and we had a really great support team around us um but I mean it wasn't easy, like yeah, we did feel like we were kind of letting each other down, and we knew we had a whole country cheering
1: for us and um, wanted to do the best we could for them. Was it that when you're at the Olympics you are playing the best in the world that it, the competition was just better those days like or that people don't realize the, the Olympics there's a reason why they're so prestigious is that it's it's anybody on any day at that point?
0: Yeah and I mean that's sport and then that's curling is you know anyone can win and as Canada you definitely have a bit of a target on your back with the Maple Leaf um, but I mean we're going to make any excuses right we just didn't i don't know we missed a couple
1: shots that we needed to make and that was the difference can i ask what it was like i i, I saw i saw a couple of the post interviews um you know clearly rachel was not happy i think you guys were pretty good at saying listen we went as a team we've lost as a team um when you're behind there's no more cameras on you uh Was there a good cry? Was there a release of emotion? Was there... Can I ask, like, what you personally, like, went through?
0: Yeah, I mean, after we got knocked out, I um, got back to the hotel and had a good cry, but before going to the Olympics, we had talked about it and said, um, we don't want to let results impact how we feel about being here and Mm -hmm. about our Olympic experience. So it wasn't easy all the time to just kind of, like, pick yourself up and... You know, go see your family at Canada House, or you know, go and watch some other sports, and just try and enjoy being there. But we did, and really tried to make the most of our experience because we had worked so hard to get there. Um, and I don't know if we'll ever be back. You know, I hope we will, um, and we're going to keep working for it. But um, there, you know, curling is about more than wins and losses, and you know, we just really wanted to enjoy the Olympics. What did you get to take in when you were there? What was your favorite thing as a spectator to watch? Oh, we went uh, up to the mountain because there's two clusters, right? The coastal cluster and the mountain. So we went up to see Big Air and we saw a Canadian win a gold medal. That's that was pretty cool. Yeah, and we went to um, some speed skating, some men's and women's hockey. Um, it's neat to get to see other mm-hmm. athletes
1: in their element too you took in as much as you could mm-hmm. so you just mentioned it, you could see maybe possibly another Olympics, it's something that, you, that you're that you striving for, so did you guys take a break and then are you regrouping to get back into the competitive season, what happens now?
0: Yeah, so we took a break about five weeks after um, the Olympics and we just played in Toronto last weekend, so we had our meeting there and talked about the future and we're all on okay. board and uh, very excited and optimistic about the future and you know figuring out different ways to get better. And, you know, I think we had been kind of pushing the game and people have caught up. So now we've got to find Appreciate a new way to get
1: another step ahead. Have you let your boss know at the government of <laughs> <laughs> <Thank laughs> I mean, you were you were working, you know, a full-time job with the government and training, so it, that's taken back you, you've, you've put it back full-time into the sport.
0: Yeah, I've, I took a leave and um, I think I'll take a little bit more. It's really hard to do both. Because since we have so much, so many more events, and on the Grand Slam there's so many events, and they're about a week long, there's just not enough vacation time. So To, to get that in. So the carding you know, helps. I want to just yeah. really
1: quickly, because we're kind of getting to that, that time, how much does the carding and the support of athletes that we're seeing with the Canadian system help? Oh, it goes such a long way. To be able to be carded by Sport Canada and get an allowance
0: to train, And to make sure my mortgage is paid um, is really really helpful and just lets us focus on curling. Um, We're very lucky as athletes here to have that support and then we also have our support of our sponsors um, which goes a long way as
1: well. Um, So you got married in this time frame too. I remember seeing Mm -hmm. like it's been a while but I remember seeing pictures of, of, of the wedding. Olympics is four years away is there a possibility of seeing a baby within the, the time <laughs> Everyone's frame? Been asking. I, like, I, you know, I'm <laughs> going to ask, you know, there's a time frame. you're right at that age, you've been married, you know, and you still have a couple of years back to so the Olympics. I mean, do you, is it hard to balance and focus to say, okay, there's sport, there's my job, there's my marriage, there's family?
0: Yeah. Right. You know, I think we're all trying to find ways to balance everything as best we can. And, Curling's been a priority for a really long time and, you know, maybe family will become a priority, you know, maybe having kids, but I'm not really
1: quite there yet, so. <laughs> right now it's still those, those little rocks that are the babies. <laughs> <laughs> or campers. <so. laughs> um, really quick, if you could talk to a young curler right now who's getting into the sport or kind of is, is realizing that they love it and want to take it more seriously, what would you say? Just stick with it and enjoy it
0: and you know have fun and embrace winning and embrace losing um and don't worry about what other people say you know i had people in school just think it was the weirdest thing that i curled and mm-hmm. i
1: got to go to the olympics so um yeah just stick with it at mm-hmm. least it's been wonderful having you on thank you so much and we have another episode of living your life i'm matt Kundle, host of the sound off podcast the show about podcast and broadcast